Hello, and welcome to Know That, a Real Housewives podcast. I'm Donnie Hatfield-Smith. I'm Anthony Casella. And I'm Quentin Lamar. So, gentlemen, it has been quite the week. Tell me about your week. <laughs> Terror, hope. It's like a mixture of like so many different emotions all week long. Right. We didn't know what was going to happen. True. Like, we had no idea how the election was going to go, if it was going to completely be too chaotic because we'd never done mail-in voting like this before. Yeah. Like we, I had no idea what to expect. And then I had no idea what people were going to vote for. And, well, a large number of them picked the wrong option. <laughs> put it like that. Yeah. that Yeah, that's true. And it wasn't, it wasn't looking great the no. first night. You know, no. I remember I remember going to sleep and kind of having an existential meltdown about, mm-hmm. you know, what's what is happening? What are we doing here? And then the next day it got a little bit better and then the day after that it got a little bit better and then some states were fully flopped, uh, flipped, flipped, <laughs> flipped is the word. A lot of them flopped too, though. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of, a lot of them flopped too, but, um, this, this was something we needed the win. We needed to kind of just get the country back to something that didn't feel like it was on the verge of, of like losing the democracy. Right. I don't think, in fact, I know Biden isn't, he's not the answer, but he wasn't, it wasn't even the question. Like the answer wasn't Trump basically. <laughs> right. Needed. Um, so I, when we're going to have, you know, fights ahead, of course, but I, this makes me feel like we can finally breathe a little bit. Like we've been holding our breath for four years yeah. and we can start to relearn what a functioning democracy and country can look like. I agree. Leading up to Saturday, I had to remove myself from like three different group chats because they were all like, Nevada's looking good. Pennsylvania might flip. And I was like, I can't deal with mites (laughs) and looking good. When we have (laughs) answers, give me an answer. But until then... This could flip or flop. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I was told I was not able to talk about it around the house. So <laughs> I didn't say that. I said I don't want to hear it. So if you found That's someone else, <laughs> if you found someone else to talk about it with, feel free. So me and the cat had a very lengthy conversation about the electoral <laughs> college, but then we had to like hurry up and stop talking when he walked in. <laughs> I mean, I really couldn't focus on anything else. Yeah. There were some moments where I was able to kind of not forget about it, but get lost in something else for Mm -hmm. just a moment. But really, (laughs) um, really, I was glued into it the entire time. And then it felt like there was a certain point where we were just waiting for it to be called and we knew the answer because there was no other clear path for anything other than a Biden win. Right. And then I was kind of like, will you just fucking call this? <laughs> like, then it became like, we know what the answer is. Can yeah. you just make it official? Well, I read on Twitter and I don't know how true this is, but someone's theory was that no state wanted to be the state that put Biden over because they were afraid of like riots and stuff. But <laughs> grow a pair, grow a pair, <laughs> Nevada. Oh, God. So besides that, did you do anything else this week? <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. I've just been sitting up watching the news and I watched like, oh, everything, 60 Minutes, everything on Twitter. Like it's been a That's huge not true. You've focus been fighting with white people online. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. I've been specifically uh, gay MAGA white men. They're out there. My meal of choice. Yeah. Um, <laughs> They are they are out there. I got into a deliciously <laughs> nasty, not, not deliciously <laughs> a, a deliciously nasty spat with one that lives in New York. Yeah, I was able to like. I always love when I'm able to get into it on Twitter and then pull them into Black Twitter because I feel like <laughs> I'm like jumping them and they have no idea that I'm going to do it. Oh God! So he, you know, he's he's one of those people. He's like, you know, it's going to be tied up in court. You haven't won anything yet. You know, he's one of those, like, Mm. he won't let go. I have no idea why he's even in New York. He has very much a Kentucky state of mind. But (laughs) sounds like your frenemies at this point. um, (laughs) No, he doesn't even know him. I found my nemesis. (laughs) Actually, that's not true. I did a Google search. Um, My mother always told me to know what you hate. Don't hate blindly. Wait, you know him? And know no, that I just did a Google search <laughs> of him. What's his Twitter handle? Just kidding. Just kidding. Just we can't kidding. dox him. I'm just kidding. 
Uh, it was I'll like, put it on my Twitter. <laughs> it was like 10 minutes after it was called. So Quinn and I celebrated or we're, we were happy. I was yelling Woo! out the window. And then Quinn was like, now if you'll give me a moment, I need to fight with people online. Well, <laughs> here's the thing. I have bookmarked comments from people who had said things over the last four years on Twitter. <laughs> if they were specifically like galling, I'd be like, I'm going to bookmark this and come back after Biden wins. So that's kind of what happened. Quinn's playing the long game over there on Twitter. <laughs> I have a kill uh, folder. Apparently. <laughs> a delicious, a delicious kill folder. Yeah. It, it so, feels good to laugh after four years. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? Especially, especially at them. <laughs> yeah, I told Quinn yes. there was like music playing out of cars. And I said, I know that I've heard music playing out of cars on our street, <laughs> but everything sounds happier now. <laughs> it felt like the first time. Like it I mean, sounded it like, like noise before, but I was like, this is a celebration. This is music. <laughs> It was almost like an hour straight of jubilation from the streets. Oh, yeah. Well, that lady so, like, passed out in front of our house. <laughs> <laughs> it could be a coincidence. It could be because of the news. I don't know. But I'm choosing to believe it's because of the Biden win. I went to um, Astoria and uh, celebrated safely with uh, a few friends and got free shots at a at a bar, which was nice. Oh. All other things happened on election day, such as the announcement <laughs> of Erica Jane and Tom Girardi the real of news. their divorce. <laughs> yeah. Um, this could be what the celebration in the streets was also about. But do you guys, first of all, what are your thoughts on their divorce? And do you think this was planned ahead of time to be revealed on election day so it would get lost in the news cycle? That um, was my first assumption is that because I think Erica announced it, right? Yeah. Or it was my assumption was that she tried to bury it in the news cycle. Um, I'm ha- I'm just happy. I assume she will have to speak about this at, in some capacity right. if she is on the show next year. If not, why was she back? Right. Um, I'm just I'm just happy she'll have a story. Mm-hmm. But I feel like she'll. I feel like it won't even be a story. I feel like she won't offer like the emotional look, the emotional honesty into it somehow. I definitely, um, yeah, I definitely think that li- it won't live up to what it should be, story-wise. I mean, it's kind of clear-cut. Trophy wife makes her own money, ditches old man. I mean, yeah. she's, I mean, that was always the goal, I assume. <laughs> I right. was thinking that she was going to leave from the minute she ended up on Broadway. I was yeah. like, oh, watch out for that marriage. And that did feel like a logical end for her, for me, was like, Erica's trajectory on the show was always... I want this level mm-hmm. of fame or artistic output for me and for what she has given or not given the last few years, her story being wrapped up, even though it ended with COVID cutting right. it short, ending on Broadway in Chicago felt like a very nice place to leave Erica for. Me. Yeah. Especially since she was so New York adjacent at the start of her journey too. Like she started as in that strip club in New Jersey and then ended yeah. on Broadway that it was a nice bow. A lot of people I read think that because there were rumors that Bravo was letting her go after, I guess Bravo also agreed that they put a nice bow on it. So a lot of people think that she like, teased them with this i'll get a divorce i'll have a story who knows gosh i do think it was a semi-long time coming because we've talked about this before but for erica to be more upset that garcelle didn't come see her on broadway than her husband definitely there are some red flags there can you blame him (laughs) he didn't even read her book Right. Speaking of major age differences in relationships, Courtney Kardashian's ex, Scott Disick, has been seen at various parties and at dinner that appeared to be a date with Amelia Gray Hamlin. What is he's... this, In Touch Weekly all of a sudden? <laughs> I am. No, he's 37. Amelia's 19. Is this okay? Do we think Lisa should step in? She's older than 18, but... I mean, legally... It... Legally, it's fine. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if Scott Disick would be who I would want my daughter to be with. Mm-hmm. But again, I guess they're both adults, I and guess. I feel like Lisa Rinna probably likes that. Which one is this? Which which daughter is Amelia? The is this the one with the ED? <laughs> 
We're not going to edit that out. Keep We're going to leave in. that in. <laughs> is she the older one or the younger one? I, don't, I think she's the younger. No. Quick, to the internet. Yeah, I have no idea. This says more than the story does. It's Wait, Delilah, Delilah Bell and Amelia Gray. And I don't know which one's which. They I think Amelia. Like tease. <laughs> I, feel like De, I feel like Delilah is the older one. The blonde one. But I'm not sure because... You know they don't really matter. I, I mean, my but it does color my opinion of him dating her. That's a really big age difference to be dating somebody, first of all, and then it's also a little bit dis. What's the word? Disgusting. I'll say mm-hmm. to go from the Kardashians to this family. Like well, it's clearly like there was an in between too, where he dated Sophia Richie, Nicole Richie's sister. So yeah, so like so this he's is like a, yeah. Social climber, uh, almost. A, uh, yeah, like a social. I mean, a reality fucker. I don't know what <laughs> yeah. you call it. It's, it's weird. And he's so- he's he's the reality TV Taylor Swift. Does that <gasps> make sense? Like, <laughs> it does. And just so we have our facts straight here, because we are the uh, CNN of nonsense. <laughs> Delilah Bell is twenty-two, and Amelia Gray is nineteen. Yeah, so, so he's dating one, a nineteen. So which one's the blonde one? Is my question. The twenty-two-year-old. Okay. Yes. So he's That's pulling right. a Wilmer. He's pulling a Wilmer Valderrama, which I still go on record as saying Lindsay Lohan was never the same after she got with him. Um, you're, you're right. <laughs> he does not get enough credit or enough attention for how pedophile Wilmer is. I'll say that, and I'll leave. I that agree there. because also Demi's downfall was also post Wilmer. <laughs> See, so uh, I think it's disgusting. I think Scott Disick is disgusting. He's American Psycho. So I mean, you but you wrong. know. This is Arena we're talking about, so I'm sure she can handle it. And I'll say I barely have a handle on what we're discussing anymore because there's been so many names <laughs> said. Um, but Hollywood is the real swamp, not DC. <laughs> Drain it. Drain the swamp. <laughs> I wonder if it'll be a story next year. Oh. I, I don't see how it. I don't see how it could be, but also, I think it could be. Maybe I don't know. Uh, for the way I feel like Rena parades out her family members for storylines so she doesn't have to be a storyline so with that said i think it could be that's true i think she'd rather talk about amelia dating him than she would rather talk about whatever how she feels lord disick (laughs) so let's jump to the other (laughs) co's on last week's podcast we discussed who we thought ebony would get along with and who she would clash with on Real Housewives of New York. This week, Ebony appeared on Bevy Smith's podcast and revealed she's getting along with Leah. And she said, when I first engaged with her, I called Leah black adjacent. She's adjacent to the culture. Leah's exactly who she is. She's unapologetic about who she is. She acknowledges how the culture our culture had influenced her career and her aesthetic and her lens. And she pays homage. She's not trying to be a black girl. And I really love that about Leah. How do you feel? I'll go first. Okay. (laughs) First of all, I have nothing against Leah. I like Leah also, but I feel like I've never heard these things come out of Leah's mouth per se. I've watched her with her street wear clothing line and all that BS. Um, But I've never heard her say, like, you know, this was influenced by this. You know, I've heard her take credit as a businesswoman, which she is. Mm -hmm. But I've never heard her say, like, you know, in defending things, like on social media, whatever. I've never heard her say, like, you know, and I personally own the Black community for my success. So maybe she said it to Ebony because Ebony was in her face. Now, I will also say that I think it's crazy that Ebony, and I don't disrespect her in any way, that she says that somebody that's adjacent to Black culture is a blonde white woman. So the optics of that does not seem great, but from what I heard, what I, as a black person, I interpreted, she's still the enemy, but she knows her place. So I'll accept that as it is what it is, but I guess the truth will come out, I don't know, after she's been there for a season or two. Yeah, because Ebony also said that race issues are being brought up on the new season. So that's good to hear. And these are women who had a problem with tattoos. So <laughs> right. Yeah, that'll be new for the show. Yeah. Tattoos um, and going below what 14th Street? What did they say they don't go below? <laughs> so yes. be prepared for people to be on the wrong side of this conversation. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and I mean like anything, we'll I guess see how this plays out. For now, it seems nice that Ebony has a friend on the show. Yeah. It seems like she's seems like she has a few. Um, it's nice that she's taken to Leah. 
and that I guess that makes sense for me too. I feel like they're the two newest girls mm. and the two youngest, right? And the two y- youngest. Yes, I'm guessing I, like the only two that weren't alive actively during segregation. Yeah. Oh my God. I don't know. I don't know how old Ebony is exactly, but I have to assume it is uh, younger than the rest of the cast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anything else before we jump into Potomac? I think that's all I got to say about that. Let's dive in. Let's dive in. So let's start with just because she didn't go on the vacation, so we can talk about her and then leave her behind. Let's talk about Monique. Um, in this episode, she met with Karen for brunch. We'll have the tuna tartare. And (laughs) at that meal, Karen told Monique about the trip and how she was not invited. How do you feel about Monique not being invited on the trip? So this wasn't the first time Monique was hearing about it, at least on camera, because Ashley had told her too, right? The episode last week. I think her and Monique talked about it. Oh, did they? I I don't know, because Ashley said in this episode specifically... That she hadn't told Monique. Yeah, I don't remember that. Wasn't there a scene? I Ashley Monique with her babies or something, and there was a conversation about her not going on the trip. Uh, Where were they? With with their baby somewhere. But but in any in any sense, um, this was something on camera. Like Monique obviously knew that around this time within the year of filming that there was going to be a vacation, and I'm sure she had an inkling that. she wasn't going to be going. Right. Um, and that oh, that also just kind of makes sense to me that she wouldn't go. I mean. Yeah. yeah. I'm not offended by it. My thing is, and like Monique understood, so it's not an issue, but it's only seven, it's seven women. So if Karen and Ashley would have still went, if Monique went, it's just a matter of three against four, which is still like the losing vote, I guess, if we're doing it like that. But... It's weird to me that, I guess, I don't know. The more I think about it, maybe it's not. But it's weird to me that she wasn't even... I feel like if if I was in this situation, I would have invited everyone. And if you're not comfortable, I understand. Or Monique, if you want to sit out, I understand that too. But the invitation is for everyone. And if Giselle wants to say she's not coming, that's on Giselle. I think the only ones that really have like a... a say in it are Candace and Monique, if that makes sense. Like, I wouldn't care about Giselle's feelings on this. Yeah, I think that could have that could have been tricky, I think. I think the cleanest thing from a, produc- a production yeah. standpoint would have been, like, Monique, you're going to sit this one out so we can get the rest. <laughs> right. Otherwise we, uh, otherwise, we could have had a cast trip where, like, it's just they crazy. have to figure out Giselle, Robin, and Candace saying we're not going. Like, yeah. it, it could get messier than I think it would need to maybe i agree yeah and i think that because even though i've seen monique monique is the one who laid hands right. so i do think there should be some kind of repercussions of that and she's the one who people have a problem with this friction people don't really have friction with candace so it's better for her to just be out of right. it and to the detriment of the show, if you ask me, because I find these episodes without Monique very much lacking. Yeah, I agree. And I don't know if that is a Monique issue or if it is the fight was hyped up so much. I feel like the fight was episode eight, I believe. And for the past year, we've known about it. But then the first seven episodes leading up to it were all edited, all edited where... It was like foreshadowing almost. Like we would have flashes of whatever, like Monique saying, I'm not violent. And then it would get gray and we'd hear screams in the future or whatever. <laughs> so I yeah, feel like, like they, they, they made a... yeah, they focused on the fight so much that now that it's over, I everything seems boring in comparison. Yeah, I agree. They made us feel like we were like having premonitions and <laughs> yeah. now we're stuck with this. You know, because I, I think I think they all need to be together. There's something they work all together. Yeah. And with Wendy, because like yeah. I, I don't really I don't really see Wendy bringing anything. Not that we need to talk about her yet, anyway. But <laughs> I feel the group as it is, they have a dynamic, and I feel the place that Monique holds, and I see that it's not there, and they need to fix it. And it's also I think maybe we're f- we're feeling it more because 
for our purposes right now, Potomac is the only city on mm. that that we're watching, and that's not normally the case. I I know soon we will have Salt Lake, and soon we will have. Um, Atlanta, probably as Potomac is entering its final episodes, but normally there are multiple cities on at a time. So when, you know, a few months ago, Beverly Hills had a little bit of the dip, New York was there to pick us up. And then when New York, you know, it's, you're not just kind of focused on one thing, but in addition to that, it does feel... It, it does feel like we are dipping a little lower than uh, we do typically. By the time a cast is on a trip, things there's a lot of things heating up. Yeah, and I don't know that I feel that. Although I will say I'm I'm intrigued about next week and um, Candace and Ashley. And Ashley yeah. has me excited. Yes, that does. Yeah, trips are usually my favorite episodes and. So far, I'm not feeling that way. But the Monique and Karen branch, we'll talk about one more thing before we go on the trip with these ladies. Monique also confronted Karen about saying she'd press charges. How do we feel about how that conversation went? I think she was honest. I think that Karen would press charges. But like she said, she can't fight. Well, neither can Candace, from what I see. But (laughs) I think the point and the way that Monique took it would be, yeah, but you wouldn't even... Because of that, you wouldn't even take something like that there. Right. So for you to be thought, I think you should press charges because somebody literally attacked you and it wasn't aggravated or escalated by you in any way. Right. And I feel like, of course, like I've said before, I feel like Candace, though it was wrong, she was beat up. I do feel she escalated that. I do feel she egged it on and all that stuff. So I think that's how Monique took it. And that's where they left it. This is tough because I do think you can support both of these women equally if you're Karen and still feel and express that if someone did this to me, I would press charges. Mm-hmm. But I wonder at what at what point to Monique that would feel like the power of suggestion. Not that Candace would just kind of blindly take everything Karen says and follow it, but I could definitely understand Monique's point about feeling hurt Mm -hmm. that, you know, you're, you're supporting me, but you're also telling the person that you're supporting me against or, or through the person I'm having this problem with that you would take legal action against me. Right. But I also can't find fault with Karen thinking that way or expressing it. It's just a tough kind of Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think what makes it hard to swallow is that Karen is saying she's choosing the middle, but besides this comment, I feel like it's very clear that she's siding with Monique. And I think everyone sees that. I think Candace certainly feels that way. So even though she's saying like, I'm on, I'm in the middle, everyone knows you're on Monique's side, including Monique as well. So I think Monique feels you're on my side. Why are you saying that? But the moment has passed. (laughs) Monique's fine with it. So we're fine with it. So let's move on to Ashley and Michael. When she was going on the trip, she was skeptical about him staying at home with Dean and, you know, saying that he would be responsible for Dean and all of that. And she, there was something in her gut that knew, I guess, not to trust him. And then she felt validated with these thoughts when he was, 11 minutes late from home uh, or 11 minutes late going home. Do you feel, I feel, do you feel that these 11 minutes go deeper and that it's not surface level? Like, I think she is more upset about what those 11 minutes stood for than him being late 11 minutes. I think there's a few things happening here. And I always try to watch these shows with this eye. I think part of it was there was obviously a plan for Ashley to be filmed calling Michael at seven o'clock. And the fact that he wasn't at home to answer the phone and be with the baby was something that pissed her off, made her, made her look, that wasn't what she wanted to look like on camera. She wanted it. Well, so she wanted it for like just her normal well being for him to be home. And also 
you know, we said, I'm calling you at this time. It happens to be, of course, Dean's Dean goes down at this time. And it, it kind of like fucked her up because that wasn't the plan. Yeah. Now there's obviously a history here too, but when when Ashley finally did get Michael and she's like, You said you'd be home by seven. I thought it was like eight thirty. Yeah. And when he was like, It's it's seven or, or no, I'm sorry, he said. You said seven. Uh-huh. She said, well, it's seven yeah. eleven. I said, okay, all right. I I understand that there if you were watching this out of context, eleven minutes is nothing. Right. But like you said, that eleven minutes, there's a there's a lot of time packed in those eleven minutes. <laughs> yeah. Those eleven minutes are speaking a lot. So <laughs> and I think the fact that he ignored the call twice before that. Like it's eleven minutes and two unanswered calls, and he, and and he was being molested. <laughs> oh my god, what a choice of words! Yeah. Especially coming from him, right? Yeah, that's what my, I mean. But my thing is, what what is Michael Darby doing where he has to work until seven p.m.? I don't understand. Like, I don't know what he does. I know he has businesses or whatever, but I can't imagine what he would be doing that would keep him out past like you know six six o'clock like to come home i don't i don't do i don't i'm sure there are millionaires who put in those hours but it just doesn't seem right and maybe that's the reason why she was so upset because she knows that his ass could be home by seven (laughs) o'clock right or should have been home by seven o'clock uh besides that i do think that it probably was played up for the camera 11 minutes is not a big deal like you can miss a call by 11 minutes by like literally going to the bathroom and leaving your phone on the counter so i do think that that's a big part of it but you know what i mean with the darbies you have no idea what's theater and what's real so i'm gonna choose to believe that it was all just for the drama see i don't think so including him saying molested i think <laughs> well, all of that was all well, of that was orchestrated heard. Yeah. What a word. This was like, I. if you watched this scene, aside from Michael using the word molested to uh, refer to being called by his wife, <laughs> if you watched this scene without any context, I, I think you would think like, wow, she's nuts. Yeah. But I, I know and we know that there's a lot more to it. I got the impression that Michael left the office and was still taking calls. Like I, I got my impression was that he wasn't answering her call because he, he was, was taking calls to get home, right. which is what he said. We don't know that that's true, mm-hmm. but that's what he said. Um, and then the fact that aside from working super late, the the 11 minutes, the like, well, I'm on my way home to be with our son. Yeah. I can't answer your call because I'm on the calls that will, that I could take to get me home. His story on paper, the fact that it all made sense to me and she still didn't believe it. And it was only 11 minutes makes, makes me, you know, think this isn't, this isn't right for Ashley. Ashley's right. not okay. There's also probably a lot of separation anxiety and worrying that the baby's not being taken care of in the right way too. Yeah. I definitely see that. Yeah. Um, to touch on what you said, Anthony, about looking at what's happening on different lenses, I want to touch on Karen's argument with Giselle about not seeing Jamal. From a friend level, it seems a little, I mean, I could understand, kind of, but it does seem unhinged that she's putting so much pressure on Giselle for not bringing Jamal around. But from a coworker point of view and from a, like, supply a plot of your own and not just instigate ours, that's how I'm looking at this fight. I was looking at it, I think, the way that you were too, which is how I like to watch these shows. Yeah. Um, and right now I happen to really be liking Karen and I happen to not be liking Giselle. So I liked Karen kind of having her foot on Giselle's neck, but I mean, Karen's Karen has given a lot to the show, her marital troubles, multiple Mm -hmm. seasons, a lot about her life. We, we went home with Giselle last season, but we went home with Karen just now. And we've talked about this before on the show. Giselle isn't vulnerable with this show. She's, she's, she's always a step ahead of She's not very bright, but she's always a step ahead emotionally. Maybe she isn't someone who's super emotional, but I've never seen, correct me if I'm wrong, a scene where I feel like Giselle is caught off guard. Right. She's always ahead of it. And to be the one who will say, you know, Karen, how's this going? 
uh, Ashley, how's this going with Michael? Giselle gets to do that, be in everyone else's business, but then she gets to have her own story with Jamal, but Jamal never has to be around the other women the way that the other women's husbands have to be included or partners, all husbands, I think, have to be around the group. So she gets to kind of be messy with be messy for other people's lives but gets to like have her own story that doesn't have to be involved with them and i think karen was calling her on it and i mm-hmm. i kind of liked it <laughs> i liked it too and i thought it was really honest and, and true because like we haven't seen as far as i can remember i've never seen a genuine emotion out of giselle no i've never seen mm-hmm. any kind of growth or hurt or anything I've seen her almost like sociopathically not understand why what she does hurts people. Mm-hmm. Like I, I haven't seen any of that. And it, when you add that to her, I, I would say diabolical um, fashion sense, <laughs> there's a lot to be, there's a lot left to be desired from Giselle Bryant. So for her to pick to be in a relationship with somebody who is almost guaranteed to cause her drama and a lot of bad press about what's going to happen between them. I think it's funny to see her so combative and defensive against people asking questions about him because it's only a matter of time. Like you don't, you don't live in the same city. He, what did she say? He lives eight States over. That is probably, that's going to be a baby in every state. Like (laughs) we know that these things are going to happen. These things have happened. If I was in a relationship with somebody and they cheated on me numerous times and had babies out of wedlock and all these different things. I would not want to then enter into a long distance relationship with them. And then on top of that, expect my friends to be cool with me not doing that. Tell them I don't need anybody around to come to my events and to support me and to do all this. So what, you just need to have sex with them every, what, few weeks? And then that's it? Right. And then expect people not to ask questions about that. Meanwhile, you're saying like, oh, you're worth more than this and you're worth more than that. Don't let him do this to you. Like, you know it's bad when Robin is speaking up. Like, you've clearly lost your audience. Yeah. And that's, I really liked, more so than hearing Karen come back at Giselle, I really liked hearing Robin do it. Because then I felt... A little bit of the old Robin scene to come back. Exactly. Yeah, and Robin's given like, a lot of herself to the show, too. And of course. We've been, we've been in her relationship. We've been in her financial troubles. I mean, the first season we met her, she was talking on camera about the friend who stole from her and Juan mm-hmm. and uh, then committed suicide, I, I believe. So yeah. Robin's put herself out there, too. And I just it's probably irking her a little bit that Giselle probably never really has. Yeah, and especially... Not probably, she hasn't. Right. And especially with, like, Bravo chat room. And I know that happened after the, like, where they are now with filming. But for all intents and purposes, I think that Giselle is, like, the face of Potomac. And she's the one that does the least. So I think they're all just fed up with her. Yeah. She's not pulling her weight. Right. The most we've got out of her is cheater, cheater, pumpkin eater. Like that's that's it. Not not any like you know I was devastated or I cried my eyes out or I'm upset. Like even what happened between her and Sherman, he just mm-hmm. didn't go with her to the wedding. We saw no emotional response. Yeah. To why he completely cut her off, stood her up. None of that. It's it's a little suspicious to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you're right. Giselle is the face of Potomac, but I. I really think for me, for me, Karen, Karen is the heart and soul of Potomac. I agree. And there's so Mm. many people that before, like when they started listening to our podcast, didn't watch Potomac. And now there's like up to 10 people that have binged the whole thing just because we talk about it. But before they start, people reach out to me and they're like, who's the Bethany? Who's the Teresa? And there isn't really one because I, I want to say Giselle because she's the face of it, but she's not either of those women. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, which is fine too. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So while we're talking about Karen, she also argued with Wendy this episode, I guess, non-argument. Wendy Twice. kept. yeah they argued twice yeah about the same thing that they argued about last week and i I feel like i think wendy brought it up both times she did did. and then she ended it both times (laughs) strange yeah (laughs) strange it is 
you just know Wendy, like, she's like the champion of the people. Like, damn, I wish I said that in the moment. Let me bring it up again. <laughs> like, that's, I feel like that's exactly what she did. Yeah, yeah. but then let the conversation go where it's going to go. Don't say like, oh, yeah, and it's over now. <laughs> I put a button on it. And I kind of lost the thread a little bit. Like, I couldn't even remember what, I mean, I obviously I don't think Karen is against black women getting educations. So I, I, I kept losing the plot of what exactly like Wendy kept bringing it up again for. Yeah. She knew that I feel that it's a big problem because Karen shook something that she holds very close to her self image. And a big part of how she identifies herself is her education. And when Karen basically said that doesn't matter. Yeah. That's, that's not something Wendy is prepared for. She wears her she wears her degrees like a bad like an armor. Mm-hmm. And you know, I as a black person, I get it. You know, I understand that. And like, like I said before, like being a child of an immigrant, I know that that is a big deal. As it really speaks to the generational being a, a generational American, how we look at it, how it's not always necessary for us to be successful to have it. There's a lot of privilege there to be checked. I get that. But at the same time, I feel that Wendy really should stop exposing her soft underbelly. Because if I didn't like Wendy, I knew exactly how to get her to act up and act out to do exactly what I needed to do. That makes sense. I think she needs to get a better... Nobody should ever look at their financial or academic achievements and center their self-worth and identity around that. That's a bad idea, in my opinion. Yeah, and I don't think it's a coincidence that after she opened up to them about her name and they all laughed at it, that that's when she started round two of this fight with Karen. I think she felt vulnerable. I think she was being vulnerable with these women and thought it was like a cute anecdote that her father named her after the Wendy's fast food chain because he was promoted to a manager there and it meant a lot to him. So he named her that. And it, and is, it is cute. It is cute. It's not, I don't think it's cute. I think it's a beautiful story. I yeah. Think it's a beautiful yes, yes, yes. American story. That yes. Yeah. We, as, like I said, generational Americans, take that kind of thing for granted. And I and, and I think it's wonderful that she shared that story. I can also sit here as a generational American and be like, well, thank God he didn't work at Arby. <laughs> so I get it. But let the mouse go. Yeah, I think she thought it's, I think she thinks it's beautiful also. And then when they laughed, it, woke that up in her again so that's when she came back with karen and talked about her four degrees again i actually started warming to wendy this episode i i I always kind of forget that if you're not a cast member who starts on one of these shows as the show is starting it really is like a new girl or a new kid being thrown into a sandbox with Mm -hmm. A bunch of other kids and you kind of have to learn not even the language of the group but what it's like being filmed for tv right and i have not really been great with offering wendy that grace like it's kind of like a season two thing where Mm -hmm. yeah i would love to see what wendy wendy's like on a season two but i'm already starting to like her a little bit more i just i i could feel her not completely comfortable in front of the camera and with these women. And I would love to see what happens a little later, but I've started, I've started to like her. Um, There was a moment where I think she was sweet with Ashley when they were driving to, they were driving to something in Portugal and Ashley was like, I was up all night crying. And Wendy was like, you should have called me. I was up all night crying too. Mm. Or something that felt a little, like I could feel her trying to bond a little bit more. I don't know where I was going with that. Oh, what's unfortunate is Wendy is accomplished and has uh, one, two, three, four (laughs) degrees. I think I heard that. Yeah. And a beautiful family. Unfortunately, on Real Housewives, those four degrees don't really mean anything. Like you're not, like you're you're in the trash with everyone. So yeah, you know what I mean? I'll give her, I'll say that I've warmed to her a little bit too. I appreciate, I appreciate her pointing out my American privilege. Like that, I think it's really important that we see as Americans how we are in the world, how we see ourselves in the world, how, basically how terrible we are. (laughs) I, I appreciate her being able to show that to me in a different way because I personally cannot imagine 
my parents being so thankful for an opportunity and a <laughs> a terrible corporation like Wendy's. Don't get me wrong, Wendy's isn't horrible, but it's a corporation, so it has to be so bad. Right. Um, <clears throat> I can't imagine them being in that position where they were like, you know, and here's your little brother, Kenmore. Like, <laughs> I can't imagine that. So right. I, I, I appreciate her showing that to me, and I give her, I haven't given her a lot of leeway, but I will give her more of a, um, a place to show me more of who she is because of it. Yeah. This is a Wendy Stan podca- podcast now. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, since we're opening up, um, I will also confess that I, within the week, and part of it is the show, and part of it's what's happening like in the current timeline, you know, like November 2020, I think I'm warming up to Candace. <laughs> oh, boy. I'm, I'm signing off. I'm signing off. <laughs> I just here's why. I'm still Team Monique, but I think that Candace, the fight aside, I think that Candace is more in on the joke and in on she knows she's playing, she knows she fills that villain role. And I think that she is more self-aware than maybe I gave her credit for. Mm, she is until she isn't. Well, yeah, I don't but, believe that. Right when she is, is when I when I think I like her. Or you know when I, Donnie, even Hitler painted Donnie. Come on now. I mean, <laughs> what do you want here? She's not all bad. All right. She's not all bad, no, but, but I like her when she is bad. Is what I'm telling you. No, that's controlled <laughs> bad. I mean, bad where she is when she's. I'm talking about bratty Candace. I'm talking about aggravating Candace. I'm talking right. about classes. Candace, if you look at the tweets, homophobic Candace, there's a lot to unpack with her. You've made I, your point. I like Wendy. Fine. Don't get me wrong. No, no. Like I think when 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 Candace can be the Candace that we like her to be. Yeah. When she when she reacts to the shade that's yeah, going on around. Yeah, blinking in front of that window. When she you know can bring somebody together, she needs to learn how to use her shade for good. She needs a Cordelia from Buffy moment. Mm-hmm. You need to learn to use that for good, and you can still be that. And not lose the audience. Candace still rubs me the wrong way. <laughs> and I think it might be because a part of her reminds me of someone I went to high school with. Mm. And I, I, I can't, I won't speak on that anymore, but it, there's something, there's something in Candace that I have a visceral reaction to. So black girl you went to high school with? No, it was a white girl, but I still <laughs> can't. I still see Candace. <laughs> I still see I still see Candace similarities. Wait, edit this out, Donnie. <laughs> Leave it in. Leave yeah. it in. Let, me, let me start We're gonna again. Wait. Let me keep let me keep talking. I think we can have a Z-way situation here. Let me keep talking. <laughs> I think we already do. <laughs> no, I'm starting again. Ready? Candace <laughs> still rubs me the wrong way because she reminds you of a girl you went to high school with. <laughs> high school with. <laughs> Fine, leave it in. <laughs> oh, that's good. Oh, God. I we just do don't. Have fun, I just. Don't we? I just don't take to her. She. She always seems. I don't think Candace knows who she is, and I could always see her trying on different personalities to see mm-hmm. if they fit. Yeah. Whereas yeah, I feel I like Monique might try to control her image, but I think Monique knows who she is. Oh yeah, or, or knows who she wants to be. I also feel the same way about it's, Giselle. Feel yeah, the same way about all of them. Monique's the one who, or uh, Candace, Candace is the one who I could on I could look at and see her choosing like different people to be based in the moment, mm. and I I don't like seeing that. Yeah. yeah, sometimes she's Phaedra. Sometimes she's Nini. Sometimes. Yeah. yeah, she's like these different personalities, which you know could just be because she's you know a little out there. Right. Um, maybe that is Candace. <laughs> like some look at how Chris had to talk to her. Like maybe that is just who she is. She better figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, wrapping up. Andy Cohen was on Danny Pellegrino's podcast, Everything Iconic, this week, and he said that all of the women would be back next season because they all fill a role. Do you think he was telling the truth? I don't see a world where Monique is back. I don't know if I think they'll all be back. I don't know if Andy's close enough 
to the machinery of these shows mm. to even know if what he said is accurate. Okay. Is there, I mean, is there something we don't know about some of the women relenting and saying, fine, we'll film with Monique again next year. Right. If that's happened, great. It kind of surprised me. I almost felt like it was like he didn't want to officially burn that bridge before the reunion. Hmm. <laughs> Like after the, once they film the reunion, then I think he'll tell Monique, like, no, girl, you're gone. Like Dorinda. Yeah, yeah. Oh, maybe. Maybe. I think he does like I do think that they have a good cast. I think I don't know how Wendy fits into it, but I do think the cast is good the way it is. I think I we agree. we like these characters. We like how they interact. Mm-hmm. I, I think that he he probably would like to keep them the same. I like I don't know if he is involved enough to keep them together. And like Anthony said, I don't know about that, but I would not be surprised if he didn't plan to keep them together anyway. And I, I don't know. I guess we'll see. Yeah. I would love it. I just don't see it. Will it be season six? Yes. I think Potomac will then officially be the city that's gone the longest without, with keeping the majority of its original cast intact, oh. which is pretty which is pretty big. I mean, by that point on New York, we had like a complete cast overhaul. <laughs> right. And I think in Beverly Hills, we had oh, yeah. one as well. I think that's probably why he said what he said. Wow. Oh, yeah. I think he does like the cast that way. I would be curious to see what these women get paid because I also mm-hmm. think by this point and other cities, there were like contracts act negotiation shenanigans yeah i hope they're getting i hope they're getting what they're worth hopefully yeah so sorry, <laughs> i don't what? know i don't know what i mean by that i don't know what i mean by that but i you never hear a thing about anyone no. holding out for more money right like they, it's, it's always just like they're all back they're all coming back and i i don't know i i hope they are getting the same amount of money that they're equally as entertaining counterparts are getting yeah so with that, do we have any final thoughts? What are your final thoughts? Uh, I would really like some Wendy's right now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, I, I love Wendy's. If you're going to be named after a fast food chain, it's the That's the one, one. yeah. It is, square I mean, yeah. patties. Yeah. That's, my, that's what my father was going to name me. Square patty. <laughs> 100% mind, all beef. Never I wouldn't mind being named after a Chick-fil-A sandwich. <laughs> We don't support them here. That's right. That's his fourth edit that out. You only get to pick one. Leave it in. This is Biden's America. Leave it in, baby. Yes, Anthony ate his Chick-fil-A. As he talked about that girl he went to high school with. (laughs) While doing body shots. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Crazy. Oh, God. Um, I don't know. I guess my my final thought is... I guess I don't dislike Wendy anymore. So, um, yeah, and I kind of feel like American trash. And that's not just because of the election. (laughs) So, Uh, Thanks, Wendy. (laughs) Yeah, thanks, Wendy. There was a scene that I wish was cut out because once I did my rewatch of it, I couldn't help but see a burst blood vessel (gasps) in Ashley's. Ashley's right eye Mm -hmm. and I I didn't care to be looking at it 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 just I I had it made me uncomfortable yeah and she said she because people online talked about it of course she said um that's exactly what it was was a burst blood vessel she said she was she just got it from being tired I've been tired numerous times and I've never had a blood vessel in my eye break I had to fast forward through the scene Yeah, the second time I saw it. I I don't know. I I know it's a very, like, it happens and it's not a big deal. I'll get over it. But it just, I don't know. I didn't like seeing it. (laughs) It's not a deep final thought. It's just my truth. Right. Well, welcome. (laughs) What was crazy to me about that part is that was supposed to be a day before they left for Portugal. And in Portugal, she was fine. I wonder if that wasn't... It was a discussion about, okay, I think I did read somewhere that sometimes they do like pickup scenes Mm. and and they will even film like back in the day, they would film the women packing 
And I think someone later on came out and said, like, we filmed those after the vacations. Oh, wow. And I wonder if this wasn't a scene that was the, like, after what happened happened, where he didn't answer his phone, Ew. they went back and filmed a, like, a scene that could to set it that up. in. Yeah, like, to set it up. Maybe I don't I don't know the timestamp on a, on a blood vessel, so I don't know <laughs> that makes sense. Well, I do. Um, whenever I throw up, <laughs> all the blood vessels in my face pop, and they do. <laughs> How long does it take to a week? To... Oh, all right. Yeah, I don't. Know. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> and Weird, they like slowly like that... diminish. Yeah, so it the wasn't way like her... that in any other scene. No. So now I'm interested. I hope to see it again. <laughs> I so hope not we'll to see it again, which is why I brought this up. <laughs> Hopefully it's our your final thought, but not our final blood vessel sighting. Because <laughs> oh now I'm going to piece them together. Oof. Anyway, Joe Biden's your president. Know that. <laughs> know that. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> That's my Biden. I got it. Come on, man. <laughs> yeah. Will you Thank- shut up, man? <laughs> Will you shut up, man? No, just kidding. Sorry. Sorry, this is a wild one for me. I Am love I it. I might be canceled. <laughs> All publicity is good publicity. Isn't that what they say? It's not true. That's America. That was early 2000s. Biden's America. <laughs> just drop a sex tape. Everybody will forget what you did. Uh, God bless. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Be sure to follow Know That, a Real Housewives podcast on Instagram and Twitter at Know That Pod. You can follow me, Donnie, at Real Donnie Wood on Instagram and Twitter. You can follow me, Anthony Casella, at Anthony F. Casella on Instagram. And you can follow me, Quentin Lamar, at Quentin Lamar on Twitter. Continue to listen and subscribe for free to Know That, a Real Housewives podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your show. Bye, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye.